If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Deller. John, this is Harry Branson of Philadelphia Mutual Liability and Casualty Company. Well, hi, Harry. What is it this time? Fraud, murder, arson? No, no, none of them. Then what kind of a case has you in a dither this morning? As a matter of fact, John, there is no case. Oh, now, don't tell me you're spending company money on just a social call. Why, Harry? Of course not. John, I wish you to take a motor trip with one of our very important clients. Well, now, that depends. Perhaps you've heard of her. Betty Charlene Winters. Uh, no, but she sounds interesting. She is. She's one of the most charming people. Very wealthy, too. John, you'll love her. Oh, tell me more. I want you to accompany her to her summer place on Lake Wawayande in northern New Jersey. Sounds better all the time. On expense account, of course, plus a fee of $1,000 for the week or any fraction thereof. How can I lose? Harry, I'll grab the first train. Bob Bailey. In the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. <laughs> expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Philadelphia Mutual Liability and Casualty Company, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the wayward widow matter. Expense account item 12150, fare and incidentals, Hartford to Philadelphia. At his office on Walnut Street, Harry Branson looked as though he'd been just sitting there waiting for me ever since his phone call. I'll get straight to the point, John. Well, good, good. You uh, don't mind if I sit down first, though, do you? Oh, no, no, of course not. Ah. As I told you on the telephone, Mrs. Winters is one of our... Mrs.? You didn't tell me that. Her husband died just a short time ago. Oh, oh. And you, the old friend of the family, have been consoling the lovely widow, eh? John. Yeah, when you pick him, you really pick him, Harry. Hey, do you remember that little brunette you went for in the last case I handled with you? John, that has nothing whatsoever to do with the matter at hand. Yeah, okay, maybe not. Oh, but you sly dog. I'm betting right now you wish you could make this trip to the lake instead of me. Of course I do. The beautiful forests and mountains up there at this time of the year. Oh, sure. Just for the scenery. All right, now tell me all. Well, the Winters were very wealthy. Betty Charlene Winters still is. Thanks, among other things, to the half million dollars she received on her late husband's double indemnity policy. Half a million? You make this sound more attractive every minute. John, will you... You don't suppose the gorgeous babe helped him have an accident in order to collect that? John, you are being absurd. Am I? Tell me this. Was he older than she... 
Yes, he was. Uh-huh. And two and two make four. And you are making no sense at all. Hey, you have got a case on her, haven't you? Will you please stop this nonsense and listen to me? Now, as I started to say, their lovely home is out between Ardmore and Bryn Mawr. All right, go on. Their home, which Mr. Winters inherited from his father and his grandfather before him, is a veritable art gallery. I see. But she is going to dispose of most of it to the better-known museums and galleries. She plans to sell the family mansion, too, just as soon as the estate is settled. Doesn't go for the old stuff, huh? You're quite right. Her taste is uh, more for the modern. Uh, that's the way I like them. Uh, I beg your pardon? Mm, nothing. Go on, Harry. Uh, yes. Some of the things, however, she is taking up to the summer home on Lake Wawayanda. Oh, well, now, wait a minute, Harry. Am I taking Betty Charlene up Mrs. there? Mrs. Winters, John, please. Okay, I'll stay out of your territory for the time being. But am I being hired to take her up to the lake or just some of this junk you've been talking about? Both. Ah. Oh. You see, there's one thing in particular, some statue or other, that she wants help with. Statue, huh? So you and she and the statue will make the trip. Now, that's the kind of chaperone I like. When do we start? I must confess it's quite a relief to get out of that office for a while. Oh, don't try to kid me, Harry. The only reason you wouldn't let me find my own way out to this winter babe's home. Babe? Honestly, John, you sometimes carry this levity much too far. By the way, how long ago did her husband die? About, um, four months ago. Oh, brother, you don't even wait for the ashes to get cold, do you? John, I tell you that... What did he die of? Well, it, uh, it was an accident. Yeah? In the car during a little trip that they were making south of here. He'd taken over the wheel from the chauffeur. They struck the abutment of a bridge over a tidal creek leading out to Delaware Bay. Oh. He was thrown out, and his body was carried into the bay. It was never recovered. And so our tasty little dish was left with a quarter million life insurance, a huge estate... John, I simply will not listen to any more of this sort of nonsense. Besides, this is the driveway up to the house. Ah, lovely place, isn't it? It was lovely. There must have been over an acre of perfectly tended lawns and gardens. And in the middle, atop a slight rise, was the main house, built of solid white stone of some sort. Old, too, but in beautiful condition. This was wealth, all right, and plenty of it. Harry's year-old car looked almost tawdry in this setting. We stopped, went up the broad front steps and across a wide porch and rang the doorbell. Yes? Oh, Mr. Branson. That's right. Uh, Mrs. Winters is waiting for you in the sunroom. Thank you. Come, John. The butler led us through a large reception room, a huge living room, both of them hung with beautiful prints and paintings, through the walnut panel library with its high ceiling and hundreds of leather-bound books. Finally, after passing through a long corridor lined with statues and magnificent vases, we entered the spacious sunroom. There, standing in front of a chair at the window, was a chauffeur. And in the chair sat Betty Charlene Winters. Mrs. Winters, may I present special investigator John Dollar. <laughs> Well, she was a cute little thing, that I will say. But instead of a young, blonde, and beautiful, well, let's face it, she was 70 if she was a day. All my dreams of a high old time during a week at a mountain lake suddenly vanished into thin air. How nice of you to come, Mr. Dollar. Investigator, did you say, Mr. Branson? Yes. I see. Well, don't just stand there. Sit down and be comfortable, both of you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Let's... Something wrong, Mr. Dollar? Uh, no, no, uh, not at all. Oh, Haskins here is my chauffeur and general handyman. 
Hi, Haskins. Mr. Dollar? I've just asked him to get the statue ready for our little trip. Oh, you may go now, Haskins. Oh, thank you, madame. Uh, no, wait, please. I, uh, I wonder if I might see this thing we're taking up to the lake, Mrs. Winters. Well, of course, it's right there in the corner behind you, Mr. Dollar. The cherub. Cherub, huh? Oh, I... This? Isn't it beautiful? Well, it was a cherub, all right, uh, about four feet high with a couple of doves fluttering around its feet. At least that's what I gathered from the garish paint on it. Believe me, it looked like something a third grader had slapped together as a joke on his modeling class. Now, I'm no artist, but so help me, I could have done better myself with a handful of mud and with my eyes closed. No family peak, Mr. Dollar. Antique. I started to say what I was thinking, but then Haskins lifted the atrocity off its pedestal and left with it. Haskins has made a special box for it. He'll place it in the car so we can leave with it tomorrow. You are ready to leave on such short notice, aren't you, Mr. Dollar? Well, uh, now look, Mrs. Winters, yes, I... Uh... Yes, his luggage is right outside in my car, Mrs. Winters. Then, Eric, you may fetch it and put it in one of the guest rooms. Uh, very good, madam. By the way, I hope you know how to drive a Pierce Arrow, Mr. Dollar. Pierce? Or did you think perhaps Haskins would drive us up to the lake? Well, I, I don't know. No. Haskins is leaving today on his vacation. And I wonder if he will come back. Why do you say that, Mrs. Winters? Oh, I've been having some trouble with him. Oh? I thought you were always eminently satisfied with Haskins. Until recently. Until the death of my husband. He's been... Well, if he doesn't come back, I shall have to replace him. But now, Mr. Branson... Yes? You're a bit of a rascal. You didn't tell me you were bringing a detective to go along with me. Investigator, Mrs. Winters. Insurance investigator. Since the company wouldn't permit me to issue any special insurance on that... that thing... But I, I thought you were going to bring me just some strong little bodyguard. I have known John for many years, Mrs. Winters, and I assure oh, you... Oh, now, don't apologize. I think this is fine. I just hadn't expected so much. Such a nice, good-looking young... But now come, Mr. Dollar, and I'll show you the rest of the house. We spent the next hour or so on a tour of the place. And Mrs. Winters pointed out the various works of art destined for specific museums and galleries all over the country after she moved out, after the estate was settled. Then Eric caught up with us and announced that Haskins had created the statue and placed it in the car. You know, I was curious about that car, so we went out to the garage and inspected it. It was a Pierce Arrow, all right. Vintage of 1928, complete with headlights on top of the fenders and as bright and shiny as the day it was made. When I tried the starter, it purred like a contented kitten. Uh, with a bass voice, that is. Along about five o'clock, Mrs. Winters, with a sparkle in her eye, announced it was cocktail time. Harry, being a teetotaler, decided to leave, but not before I buttonholed him for a quick conference. What doesn't make sense, John? Oh, that silly statue, Harry. All the fuss over that piece of junk. After all, John, with all the big policies she carries with us on the legitimate artwork, well, we just can't afford to displease her. But if it had any real value... Perhaps it does to her. How can it? Unless she has a lot of jewelry hidden away in the base of it or something. Hmm. What, John? A cocktail, she said, and I'm sure ready for him. Go on back to Philly, Harry, and wait for my final report. Well, I must admit that Betty Charlene Winters turned out to be a charming hostess, a very interesting conversationalist. Even long after dinner, over brandy and cigarettes, we chattered away like a couple of magpies. 
I didn't question her about the statue because I wanted to find out more about it on my own hook. Finally, about midnight, we decided to retire, had a nightcap, and went to our respective rooms. But instead of going to bed, I sat around and read for a few minutes, turned off the light, waited a few minutes more. Then, quietly, I slipped out of my room. That was a mistake. For as I reached the end of the long hall to the stairway, a door behind me suddenly opened. Huh? Who's there? I said, who's... Two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. With the bigger, more impressive kaleidoscopic change of events on the world scene today, we sometimes forget the smaller kaleidoscope, the child's toy, with its ever-changing designs and color. The kaleidoscope is a fantastic experience for any child. That is, any child who can see. But one of those children who cannot experience the ecstatic pleasures of form and color in the ever-changing world about them this problem has bothered many, and many such people have tried to solve it. One-time soldier in the United States Army, Robert Neiman, is one of them. Captain Kenneth Moyer, also of the Army, is another. Both men, while stationed in Japan recently, set about the task of raising funds for the purpose of providing eye examinations and operations for sightless Japanese children. In return for this gesture, Japanese eye surgeons did not charge for their services. For those children who could not be cured, Braille typewriters were purchased and donated for training purposes in the hope of giving a few more people useful lives. Both Neiman and Moyer worked independently of each other. Neither knew of the other's interest in such a gratifying project. Both have continued the work with enthusiasm. The results of their efforts, when a blind child sees again or perhaps for the first time, that is their reward. For a child... As for an adult, new sight leads to understanding. And understanding is a building block of freedom. The right of all men, everywhere. And now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Wayward Widow Matter. When I came to, it was morning. And I found myself in my pajamas lying comfortably in my bed in the guest room. But there was nothing comfortable about the lump on the back of my head. Whoever had slugged me out there in the hall had meant business. I got up painfully, went down the hall, and made a quick check of the room from which the attacker had surprised me. It was just another guest room. I showered, dressed, and went downstairs, where I found Mrs. Winters at the breakfast table. She was very much distressed over what had happened and suggested we go out and look in the trunk of the car immediately. There now. Do you see, Mr. Dollar, the box with the statue in it hasn't been touched. I don't understand it. Where is your chauffeur, Mrs. Winters? Well, Haskins left on his vacation last evening. I thought I told you. But surely you don't think Haskins... Well, you said you were having trouble with him. Maybe we'd better open that box to make sure oh, that... but it hasn't been touched. And I'm the only one who has a key to that little lock on it. Yeah, I see. But now it's pretty logical to assume that whoever slugged me last night was interested in... Hey, Mrs. Winters, how long has Eric, your butler, been with you? Why, Eric, the dear boy, has been with me for nearly 30 years. 
Heavens, you surely don't suspect him of anything like this. He's a very fine person, Mr. Dollar, and a perfect gentleman. Oh, certainly more of a gentleman than my late husband ever was, in spite of his money. Oh. I must confess that although his death was a terrible shock, I... Well, life has been a great deal easier for me since he passed away. Just how do you mean that, Mrs. Winters? No, well, why talk about it? Something that... Oh... Oh, why not talk about it? I married Charles for his money, Mr. Dollar. I'd never got any further than the front line of the chorus until he came along. Would you believe that I was a chorus girl? Well, as a matter of... And the wealth and the luxury that he could give me was very attractive, was very satisfying for a long, long time. But for the past 10 or 15 years, maybe more, he insisted that we just stay penned up in this musty old museum he called a home. And what happened? Well, all our friends were traveling around the world, seeing new places and new people. We just sat here looking at four walls and at each other. Except for a couple of blessed months up at the lake. You love the place up there, Mr. Dollar. It's new and fresh and modern. I had it built over his protest. People, young people came to see us, and it was such a relief from a... Well, I'm sorry. This must be so boring for you to hear. Not at all. Now, look. Why don't we call the police in about this thing that has happened to you? Come, we'll go right back into the house and... Wait a minute, wait a minute. No, let's not. A bunch of policemen prowling around would scare him off, whoever he is. Suppose you're attacked again. Well, at least I'm ready for it now. I just don't like your taking this chance. Of course, we could leave. Go up to the lake. Run away from him? Well, yes. Of course, it might prove whether he's interested in the statue. If he follows us, I mean. Oh, dear. Why don't you let me call the police? Only if you think they ought to be around here to protect the house while we're gone. No, no, that isn't necessary. We have a very efficient burglar alarm system. Well, it doesn't look as though it was working very well last night, does it? Unless it was someone in the house who attacked me. Who else is there besides you and Eric? No one, except the cook. Male or female? Oh, no, no, Mr. Dollar, not Martha. Why, the poor dear is nearly as old as I am. And a real companion for me. Sounds strange, I know. But we're real nice friends. All right, let's go back in, have our breakfast, pack our things, and go on up to the lake. Eric, who served the breakfast and whom I hadn't seen since dinner last evening, kept giving me a rather strange look. And as soon as breakfast was over, I quickly stuffed my things into my handbag and headed down to the garage. Eric was waiting for me there. He insisted that he put my things into the trunk of the car, which killed any chance I might have had to pry open the box with a statue. I started to question him about the night before. But as it turned out, my questions were quite unnecessary. Uh, yes, Mr. Dollar, it was I who carried you back to your room and put you to bed. Oh? You see, I was making a final inspection of the house, as I always do after everyone else has retired. I'm always concerned about the many valuable things we have. I don't blame you. Well, I was on my way up the main staircase when I heard you fall. I was slugged. Uh, forgive me, sir, but uh, when I found you there at the head of the stairs, I thought your condition was due to... Uh, you must pardon me, sir, but was due perhaps to having imbibed too much brandy after dinner? Not a bit of it. Somebody barged out of that guest room and struck me from behind. But I saw no sign of anyone else about. You're sure? Most certain, sir. Was this fancy burglar alarm system you have turned on? Yes, sir. 
Well, then whoever did it either stayed in the house until this morning or knew the place well enough to get out without setting off the alarm. But I don't see how that would be... Have you called the police, sir? No, and we're not going to. Mrs. Winters and I are leaving for the lake just as quickly as possible. Uh, but don't you think this is sufficiently serious to warrant... Don't forget one thing, Eric. It was pretty dark in that hall. The attack might have been intended for you. Good heavens. But why, sir? I don't know. Oh, dear. Oh, there you are. Eric, you may fetch my bags from my room while Mr. Dollar and I planned the trip. Uh, very well, madam. Oh, you don't know how glad I'll be to get there. It's such a relief from this place. And all the things associated with it... I'll be so glad when Charles' estate is settled and I can sell this old house and just Martha and I can stay at the lake. Oh, I know all the paintings and things are all very fine and valuable, but I'm so tired of looking at them. Well, then why do you take this so-called, I beg your pardon, this statue up to the lake? Well, this is different. Oh, yeah, I'll grant you it is a bit different from the other things. It... Oh, well, let's talk about it along the way. But we didn't, simply because I didn't bring up the subject again. Why not? Because a couple of pretty wild ideas had begun to peck away at the back of my brain. Ideas just crazy enough to have some basis in fact. The 1928 Pierce Arrow ran like a dream in spite of its advanced age. And Mrs. Winters, in spite of her advanced age, kept the conversation going in a merry clip. There was a sparkling, almost buoyancy about her. And the hunch that had hit me began to grow. We crossed the Delaware River at New Hope on Route 202, and in Lambertville, we stopped at the sign of the Flying Red Horse to gas up the car. That's item 2470. While the attendant was busy with that and checking the tires and battery and so forth, I made some excuse or other and stepped around to the telephone booth at the back. Harry Branson here. Harry, I want you to drive out to the Winter's home at Bryn Mawr again. Oh, what for? Just do it right away, then call me up at the lake. Whatever you say, John, but I wish you'd tell me... Gotta go now. Goodbye. The rest of the trip through the pretty North Jersey countryside was uneventful. And finally, north and east of the little town of Andover, we came to Lake Wawayanda. We drove along a private road to the far end of it, and there, perched on a little cliff above a deep basin, was a real smart, modern brick-and-glass home. That's right. Straight up the little hill and park in front of the garage. Little hill? I just hope we can make it. Right here. I hope the brakes will hold. Or this thing could roll right on back into the lake. Oh, and the lake is so deep right there. Nearly a hundred feet. An old mine or something before the water came up. Oh, this is a pretty dangerous driveway. Here now, let me help you. Thank you. One of the first things I'm going to do is have this driveway built up and leveled off in a big stone wall built around. Yeah, you'd better. Careful now. This is pretty steep. Oh, listen. Yeah? The telephone is ringing inside the house. Oh, well, let me have the key and I'll go in and answer it no, for I'll you. I'll answer it. You can unpack the car while I do. I suspected the call was from me, but didn't want to say as much. So I opened the car trunk and proceeded to take out the luggage in the big clumsy box for the statue. The box was heavy, very heavy. And I wondered how Haskins, the chauffeur, had been able to pick up and carry the statue so easily back in Bryn Mawr. I finally got the box perched on the edge of the car trunk when Mrs. Winters called to me. It's for you, Mr. Dollar. 
Oh, okay, I'll take it. Leaving the box there on his precarious perch, I went on up to the house. Right here in the front hall, Mr. Dollar. Oh, all right, thanks. I'll go on out to the car and get my coat in first. Yeah. Johnny Dollar. John, this is awful. Terrible. As I just told Mrs. Winters, this is... Well, I, I couldn't believe it. When I, how, how did you know? How did I know what? Eric, the butler. Yeah? Dead. He's dead. And John, I... Dead from what? How did he die? He apparently fell down the main staircase. The poor cook, Martha, is the only other person in the house. She's beside herself. Yeah, I'll bet she is. But whatever made you suspect something was wrong out here? Call the police, Harry. Make sure they look for a possible blow on the head that might have been delivered before he fell. What? Uh, so long, Harry. Oh, dear. Oh, Mr. Dollar, oh, dear. Ah, fell off the back of the car, huh? Yes, the big box. I must have bumped it when I reached into the trunk for my weekend case. Bounced right down into the lake, huh? Yes, my beautiful little statue is at the bottom of the lake. Oh, well, don't worry, Mrs. Winters. We'll get it back. I'll have a diver come up here. No. No. It's all right. We'll leave it there. Huh? No, no, you were right. It'd only be another memory of the musty old house in Brenoir. It has no place here where everything is so fresh and new and clean. We'll get it back. But it really had no actual value. You were right, Mr. Dollar. It's better to just... Yes... We'll leave it there. Sorry, Mrs. Winters, but that's where you're wrong. Why, Mr. Dollar? We'll get it back, all right. And whatever's in it. Oh, dear. I suppose I might have known. Expense account item three, $290 even for the diver who came over from New York and retrieved the box from the deep hole in the lake. Two boxes, as a matter of fact. One with Haskins' body in it, and the other with the body of Charles Winters, the body that was supposed to have been washed out to sea after a car accident. The story? Well, of course. After Haskins got rid of Charles for me, I had to do something about him. Or rather, we did. Martha, you know. He's such a wonderful friend. Was Haskins the one who slugged me? Yes, yes. So foolish of him, wasn't it? But he'd heard Mr. Branson say you were an investigator, and it frightened him. Worried me a little, too. Well, he might have killed you, too, if Eric hadn't stopped him. And, of course, Eric knew that Haskins had unwittingly made this second box for his own body. So now Eric's gone. Martha, huh? Yes, she did it. But she had to put him away. Oh, yeah. You see, he was the one who took care of Haskins for us. And we couldn't have him around knowing everything. Oh, dear. Martha and I had planned so many wonderful things together. But now... Oh, dear. Expense account total, including incidentals and transportation back to Hartford, $365.50. Remarks? Well, I'd rather not say how I feel about a case like this, Harry. A whole crime wave by a couple of apparently sweet old ladies... The legal procedures, and there'll be plenty of them, are up to you and the company, as well as recovery of the insurance paid on poor old Charles Winters. Hey, next time, give me a case that doesn't turn my stomach, will you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. 
Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. We need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Fred Larkin, Johnny. New Jersey fire and casualty. Hope I didn't get you out of bed. Well, you sure did, Freddy, but how are things in Trenton? In Trenton, fine. In the little town of Vineland, I'm not so sure. Vineland? About halfway between Philadelphia and Atlantic City? That's the place. What goes down there? Fire. Arson? That's what I hope you can find out. Well, uh, any reason for suspicion? Yes. The man who holds the policy on $83,000 worth of bedding. Bedding? Mattresses, box springs that went up in smoke two days ago. Okay, Fred, I'll grab the first train. Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And now, act one of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the New Jersey Fire and Casualty Insurance Company Home Office, Trenton, New Jersey. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Smoky Sleeper matter. Expense account item one, 1075, fare and incidentals, Hartford to Trenton. Item two, 80 cents, taxi to Fred Larkin's office on West State Street. He lost no time in getting right to the point. That's right, 83,000 total loss. Well, who's filed the claim, Fred? Name is Ben Murray, sole owner and manager of Ben Murray Furniture Sales in Philadelphia. Sort of a small chain scattered around all over the city. I thought you said the loss was in Vineland. It was. That's where he had a big warehouse. Well, if his stores are in Philly... He claims it's cheaper than maintaining a big warehouse in the city. Also, apparently, it's close to a couple of sources of supply. He's been a good account, Johnny. We've made a lot of money on his policies. Well, it sounds like you've issued him quite a few. Well, we have. You see, in addition to the usual coverage on his stores, we've issued him a lot of short-termers on warehouse contents from time to time. I don't quite see what you mean. Uh, his whole business is based on special sales. Free inventory, going out of business, distressed merchandise, fire and water damage sales, summer, winter, spring, and fall sales. Anything you can think of. No kidding. Periodically, he loads up his vinyl warehouse with stuff he's accumulated for the next big sale. And we insure it. This time, it was $83,000 worth of box springs and mattresses. Wow, that's a lot of betting for just one sale. Yeah, don't worry. He'd have got rid of it. His salesmen are the sharpest bunch you ever saw. Too sharp, if you ask me. 
Almost like a bunch of con men. You know what switching means in the retail trade? Isn't that when they advertise a well-known item at a very low price? That's it. Then when you try to buy it, they just uh, happen to have sold the last one. That's it. But by that time, they've got you in the store where they can use the high-pressure pitch to sell you some inferior item at an even higher price and on a no-return basis. Yeah, by the time the customer gets wise, it's too late. Exactly. I suspect they're not above using the label switch, too. You know, have some local manufacturer make up a cheap item, then put a nationally recognized label on it, or a pretty good copy. My, my, what nice clients you have, Freddy. Well, what can we do, Johnny? As long as we don't catch them red-handed in something that directly affects us. Well, you don't need to write any more policies. The company says different, at least until such a time as they try to pull something on us. Or we find proof of such doings. I see. Well, where'll I find this, Ben Murray? Either at his main office in Philadelphia or down in Vineland, looking over what's left in the shell of that warehouse. On what exactly does Murray base the amount of his claim? Face value of the policy, which in turn was based on the cost of the goods to him. Huh? You mean you used the figures he gave you? Hmm. Hardly. We got the figures from the actual bills sent him by the manufacturer. Well, I wondered. I don't blame you. No, Johnny, that 83000 is exactly what the mattresses and box springs cost him. It was a special order from one manufacturer, made up especially for one big sale. Can your secretary check on Murray's whereabouts for me? Sure. All right, then let me use your phone. I may be able to save us all a lot of time, labor, and soap. I call my old friend Adam Bowles, who lived within a few miles of Vineland, who, before he retired, was one of the top arson men in the country investigator, I mean. He wasn't home, but I left word for him to drive to Vineland and meet me in the lobby of the East Landis Hotel whenever I got there. Meanwhile, Fred's secretary had learned that Ben Murray was in his Philadelphia office. Expense account item 3560 for a train to Philadelphia and cab to the main office of Ben Murray Furniture Sales. The place was a madhouse. Okay, Dollar, go ahead in. It's that first office on the right. Thanks. And listen. Oh, wait a minute. Sales department, call me back, I'm busy. Listen, Dollar, if you can get a word in edgewise with Ben, ask him where's the contracts for that West Philadelphia deal, will you? Oh, sure. Sales department. Yeah? I'll turn a hose on some of that stuff and call it a flood sale. Up like that. Make the picture in that advertisement look good, see? Put a lot of stuff around. Pictures on the wall, rug on the floor, stuff like that. Yeah, make the suckers think they're getting a 25-piece dining room suit, not just a table, four chairs, and 20 crummy dishes. Dollar, sit down. Thanks. Yeah, make it look like they'll be getting everything they see in the ad. Yeah. Now, did you get them sofas in from Sterling? Okay. Put a price ticket of 95 bucks on them. And then mark it down to 49.95, and we'll clean out the whole... Mr. Murray. Huh? He what? Sterling charges 25 bucks for those lousy sofas. Listen, we're giving them 22.50 for them. Except for the demonstrator we show on the floor, the good one. Who does he think he is telling me the price he's going to charge me? Oh, the lousy bunch of chiselers trying to hike the price on me. Boy, what a business. From the looks of that outer office, you've got plenty of it. Yeah, yeah, volume, Dollar. That's what does it. I work on a narrow margin, see? Oh. Yeah, sometimes I even lose money just to keep the volume up. I got nine stores, see? They're all over Philadelphia. Hey, Ben. Yeah, what's the matter now? Pine Street wants to know the sale prices on those three grades of night cloud mattresses. What'll I tell them? What are the cost prices? All the same. Thirteen bucks a piece. Cost us thirteen bucks, huh? Well, price them at, uh, at, uh, thirty-nine ninety-five, forty-nine ninety-five, and sixty-nine ninety-five. Okay, Ben. Hey, Larry. 
narrow profit margin, huh? And now look, Dollar. Your card says you're an insurance investigator. That's right. Well, if it's about that fire I had down in Vineland a couple of days That's ago... That's exactly what it's about. Well, let me tell you something. Oh, for... Yeah, what is it? Oh, yeah, well, listen. Hey, pick that other phone off the hook, Dollar. That noise is killing me, would you? Why not? I might learn something. Well, you tell him I don't care if he's the Department of Internal Revenue in person. Hello. We pay hey, Ben, I like got him. a dame here in the store found out that bed we sent her wasn't at. the same that? one she saw on the floor. Well, no. Wait just a minute. I, uh, uh, she threatens okay. to go see the Better Business Bureau. Well, look, uh, this isn't Ben. Huh? That's what I mean. Just hold on a minute, will you? Hold on. And you tell that bookkeeper we got there, he either keeps the books the way I tell him, or either he... Well, look, I'll call you back, see? Did you hold that call for me, Dollar? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hello? Yeah? Yeah? Well, don't take any chances. Give her anything she wants. Give her the one she saw on the floor. Go out and buy her one, a good one. Just make her happy. Keep her from... Uh, well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Troubles, troubles, troubles. Well, now, look, Dollar. You think there was anything wrong with that fire, you prove it. I'll give you this whole business. What do you think I am, a crook? I haven't said that. Yet. Then, then what's the idea investigating? Not you, but that fire. We always investigate when a claim this large is involved. Oh, yeah? Do it automatically. Look, I'm trying to run an honest business here, just barely scraping by. That phone call just now. A customer ain't 100% satisfied, we make her satisfied. Oh, sure. To keep her from blabbing about the way you rooked her. Oh, look, look, get out of here, would you? Can't you see I'm busy? I try to run a decent business here, and punks like you come in and... Oh, I'm... Yeah, hold on. Look, you got some legit reason to investigate, Dollar. You come around then. Maybe I will. Now go on. Get out, will you? Gladly. Listen, Charlie. You tell him he tries to outsmart me, I'll sue him for every cent he's got. Expense account item four. $50 deposit on a drive-your-own car. I crossed the Delaware River Bridge and finally picked up Route 47 for the 35-mile drive down to Vineland. Flat country, this, with plenty of beautiful trees and rich farmland, an occasional cranberry bog. The soft smell of ripening peaches greeted me from the vast orchards I passed. It was all very pleasant. Certainly a complete contrast to the noisy, unhealthy joint I just left. And I could see only too plainly why Fred Larkin suspected arson in the warehouse fire. Sure. If a character like Ben Murray didn't resort to arson, he'd feel he was missing a good bet. Proof of arson, however, is a different matter. And not always easy to come by. That's where I wanted the help of Ed Bowles. But Ed hadn't got to the hotel when I arrived in Vineland. So I drove over to the police headquarters at 610 Wood Street, a block north of Landis Avenue, the main drag. There I found Sergeant Louis Tommaso, who'd been working on the case. Be glad to take you over there, Dollar. Just the other side of Chestnut Avenue. That's over south of town. All right, Sergeant. I'd like to see that warehouse. Or what's left of it. Oh, there's plenty left of the warehouse. All metal construction. Come on. That in itself might make it hard to spot arson. Dollar, we went over the... Lieutenant, Mr. Dollar and I are going out to the Benmer warehouse. We went over that place with a fine-tooth comb, both during and after the fire. Came up with nothing, huh? Nothing that would give any cause for suspicion. Sergeant, do you know a man by the name of Adam Bowles? I certainly do. He's been giving me a lot of help with this. You know, just to sort of keep his hand in. And he's found nothing? Not a thing. But of course, he's the kind that never gives up. Yeah, well, let's get on over and take a look at that place. It was obvious that the whole contents of that warehouse was damaged beyond repair. And apparently the big steel building had been packed to the roof. 
I looked over some of the damaged mattresses very carefully, sometimes with the aid of my pocket knife, and I learned some rather interesting things. Things that showed the best possible reasons for wanting to burn up a lot of merchandise like this. Hmm. Wow. Well, have you seen enough, Mr. Dollar? Yeah, I guess so. But I still want to talk to Adam Bowles. So let's go on back to... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Looks like Ad pulling up in that car there. Huh? Well, so it is. Hey, Ed. What? Johnny. Yeah, well, hiya. Sergeant, don't tell me you'd send for a half-wit like Dollar. <laughs> Just here. a minute now, Stinky. Why, the greenest rookie on the force would get further Ed, than... I'll brain you. You two know each other. <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> Johnny, how are you, baby? Great, just great. You got my message, huh? Yeah, but I hereby inform you that, as usual, you got here too late. Oh, is that so? When I found out you were coming, I decided I'd better get to work, if only to show you up. <laughs> so I did, and I found out who started the fire. Well, I've got a pretty good suspicion myself. Who did it, Ad? Poor old Jerry Cumber. Who? Jerry? The old town ne'er-do-well? Yep, that poor, foolish old wino. Well, how'd it happen? Oh, he was just wandering around that night, as he often does, with a bottle to keep him company. Found the back door of the warehouse open, thought he'd take a little nap, or rather sleep it off. He certainly had his choice of nice soft beds. Yeah, so he went to sleep with a lighted cigarette in his fingers. And there you have it. And the funny thing, Sergeant... Yeah? The only charge you can really hold the old bum on is being drunk and disorderly. And, of course, trespass. What? Well, you look it up. You'll see I'm right. As for you, Johnny, you can just go on back to your company and tell them to pay the claim. Oh, that's so? Yes, sir. Case is closed. At least for you. That's where you're wrong. Huh? After a couple of things I heard at the Benmer office, plus a couple of things I've seen here, Adam, I think this case is just starting for me. Act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. For a long time, people have been saying that the Earth is shrinking because transportation is getting faster and faster. And because this is true, people are getting closer, too. Today, our neighbors are not only the ones who live next door to us. They're all over the world. It is axiomatic that one should help his neighbor. But Americans have gone a step further. In addition to individuals helping individuals, now many American cities help many other cities through the Sister City program. Now, perhaps you've heard how it works. If not, here's an example or two. In the fall of 1959, a large area of Nagoya, Japan, was struck by a devastating typhoon. Her sister city, Los Angeles, California, sent tons of relief materials to Nagoya by way of an Air Force plane headed for the area. The Marines and the Navy rendered vital emergency aid during the disaster. When earthquakes shook Viña del Mar, Chile, during the summer of 1960, her sister city, Sausalito, California, sent hundreds of dollars worth of relief materials to help out. Another case in point, the school children of Clovis, New Mexico, sent a number of cultural exchange packages to students in their sister city of Adana, Turkey. There are hundreds of such examples because there are hundreds of sister cities. By using this means of diplomacy, 
friendship and understanding have increased throughout the world and paved the way for permanent freedom, the right of all men everywhere. And now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Smoky Sleeper Matter. From the looks of things, the case was practically over. The fire at the warehouse full of box springs and inner spring mattresses had been accidental. And it looked, I underline that word looked, as though Ben Murray's claim for reparation to the tune of $83,000 was entirely justified. Ed Bowles, the finest expert on arson I knew, had produced the man who started the fire as proof. So, on the surface, there was nothing for the company to do but pay Ben Murray's claim. But I smell a rat, a big one. Expense account item 5, 75 cents for a person-to-person call to Fred Larkin in Trenton. Well, Johnny, if you're satisfied with Bowles' conclusion that it wasn't arson, well, that's that. We'll have to pay off the claim. Uh, what if I could prove fraud? Fraud? What do you mean? Look, Fred, you told me you saw the bills, the manufacturer's bills, to Murray, giving valuation on the bedding that was stored in that warehouse. Yes, I have photostats of those bills right here in my desk. But what... Good for you. Dig them out, will you? Oh? Why? Go on, go on. Dig them out, Fred, and read them to me. What if there was no arson? I failed to see what you're driving Look, will you do what I ask you? I'm trying to save your company some money. All right, all right. Ah, here now. Uh, Now, what do you want to know? Well, the labels on the remains of the mattresses I looked at at the scene of the fire, those labels indicated there there was a model called the Night Cloud Sleep Rest. And that checks with these bills. Now, let's see. There were... 3,500 mattresses called Night Cloud Sleep Rest. Well, forget the quantities. What was the manufacturer's price to Ben Murray on that Night Cloud Sleep Rest? Well, let's see. Uh, uh, Johnny, they cost Ben Murray exactly $25.50 apiece. And there's an equal number of box springs to match. $25.50? That's right. But I overheard him say in Philadelphia that he only paid... Hmm. What, Johnny? Uh, nothing, nothing. What other models are on those bills? Uh, Night Cloud Super Sleep. And the price? Uh, just a second. And look while you're figuring, you might be interested in knowing that the labels on that sleep rest indicated a retail price of $69 each. Some profit, huh? Uh, here now. Johnny, the Night Cloud Supers cost Murray $26.20 apiece. Wow, hey. All right, I got it. And he claimed to be working on a narrow profit margin. Now, the Night Cloud Perfection Sleep cost him uh, $27.14 each. Good. Any more? Well, those were the only ones he bought and stored in the warehouse. All right. Now, give me the name and address of the manufacturer. Easy. Golden Bedding Corporation, Woodvine, New Jersey. Good. Now, one more thing. Can you think of the name of another big chain of furniture stores, you know, like Ben Murray's, only in uh, New York or Chicago or some other big city? Well, of course, there's Glauder Brothers in New York. Glauder Brothers. Only they're such a disreputable outfit that when they try to talk insurance with us... Freddy, that's all the better. Thanks a lot. Now, wait, Johnny. You still haven't told me... Oh, I will, Freddy. Don't you worry. I will. Why I didn't get pinched for speeding somewhere along Highway 49, I'll never know, because I certainly didn't hold back the horsepower. Just short of the town of Tuckahoe, I turned off on 557, and then a few miles later pulled into Woodvine. Although it's a small community surrounded by farms that boasts a big hat factory, a couple of clothing factories, a vast, sprawling state institution, and on the far edge of town, the Golden Bedding Corporation's huge plant. I figured the best thing to do was put on a bull front and pull my way into the president's office. But any such tactics proved entirely unnecessary. Barney Glauder, huh? Uh, yes, Mr. Golden, uh, but just Barney's good enough. Well, I should say it is, because you must be Barney Jr. I've known your papa for years. 
Sit down, my boy. Would you like a cigar? Why, uh, no, no thanks. You don't look like your old man, though. You know that? Not a bit. Of course, I haven't seen him since 42. <laughs> Barney Glauner. Yeah. Well, what are you doing in this part of the country, huh, Barney? Oh, um, business. Uh, pleasure trip. Business, huh? What's the matter? We haven't had any orders from you people lately, huh? Well, up to now, I haven't really had anything to do with the business. <laughs> Living off the old man's millions, huh? Smart boy. <laughs> go to college? Yeah, for four years. Yeah, that's the way. Smart boy. Now you are in the business. Buying, maybe? Well, if you mean from you, that depends. Well, if you're as sharp as your papa. How old is he now, huh? Pop? Yeah. Oh, uh, let me see. Yeah, how's your mama? Mama? She... Uh, look, Mr. Golden, if, mm-hmm. you, if you don't mind, uh, we'll talk business first. Huh? <laughs> Chip off the old block. Sure, business always first. After maybe you come out to the house and have dinner, huh? Talk over old times, your family. Sure, maybe. All right, you go right ahead. Tell me what you want to order. A thousand mattresses and box springs, huh? Ten thousand? Anything you want, my boy, and at a good price. Well, like I said, that depends. Uh-huh. What kind of a deal? Is that what you mean? Yeah. All right, I'll tell you. Your papa's a very smart man, you know that? He's a good businessman. I know what he's thinking, so I know what you're thinking. All right. If you want to give me a nice big order for a lot of merchandise, I'll name you a price that you... Listen, Barney, I've got such a good customer in Philadelphia these days, not mentioning any names, but you'll pardon me, I don't even miss your papa's business. Understand me? But to get your business back again, I'll make you the same type deal I give this man. For a firm order, that is, you understand? No cancellations. You'll, uh, you'll, uh, pre-ticket the merchandise. That mm-hmm. is, uh, put the list price on the labels for me, uh, for us. Any price you say, regardless of the cost to you. Uh, Look over here, my boy. The pictures of our merchandise here on the wall. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Night Cloud Perfection Suite. Well, we'll put on any name you like. One should sound like some national brand. We'll think up a name for you. Not a bad deal. So far. And we make up as many models as you want. You know, we change just the ticking. They look different. All 196 springs. I personally guarantee it. Only 196? That's all you need, sure. Nobody can tell the difference. Except, of course, the demonstrators you keep on the floor to show the customer. The demonstrators have got 392 springs. Those, you can jump on and bend them anything you like. Yeah, and the customer thinks that's the kind he's getting. What else? I tell you, Barney, boy, just as smart as your old man. Yeah. Now, uh, what about the price? Ah, the price. Now, Barney, this you can't resist. You understand, out here in the country, low overhead, no labor problems, nobody snooping Yeah, yeah, I know. How much? Well, for you, my boy... How many? Well, uh, say uh, 10,000 units. 10,000 units. All right. I'll give you a special price. How much? Well, now, this depends on the ticking material. Hmm? You look here. See? First class material looks like twice the money. Go on. Plain blue and white ticking. That costs you. And remember, Barney, this is very special because of your papa and getting back his business. So, at 10,000 units in this ticking... $14.93, and you never saw such a buy. That okay? Eh, strikes me as a little high. A little high? I'm not making a thing on it. Look at here. This, the fancy taking. This is real class. $15.06 a unit. Now, you can't beat that. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, of course, Barney, my boy, if you want to order a few no, more. No, no, no. I, I, I think maybe I can do better up in New England. In New England? Who? Tell me who. Well. All right. All right. Now, look. I told you I've got a big customer in Philadelphia. Well... All right, never mind. We'll do it the same way for you we do for him, all right? On the books. How do you mean? Well, I mean fourteen ninety-three cents, huh? Only what would you think if the bill I send you says twenty-nine ninety-six, hmm? Double? Mm-hmm. 
You'd make it look like I paid twice as much? So? Yeah. Yeah. For tax purposes, I'd only be showing about half the profit I was actually making. <laughs> Smart boy, Bonnie. Or, uh, suppose I insured the stuff for the amount your bills showed, and something happened to well, it. Well, that's huh? right, sure. However you want. Excuse me. Hello. Oh, hello, Ben. I was just thinking of you. I hear you had a lucky fire up there. What? Oh, no, not now. Listen, Ben, I've got a customer. I've got... No, I've got an important customer here, the son of a very dear old... What? Yes, he is. Yes. A blue shirt and a bow tie. Oh, no. Oh, no. Ben, I'll call you back. Mr. Dollar? That's right. Johnny Dollar. In person, Mr. From Golden. the insurance... Oh, no. Oh, no, no. Too no, bad no, Ben Murray's no. call interrupted our conversation. Oh, what have I said? That was a very interesting lot of facts you gave me, and I strongly suspect it'll not only put Murray out of business, but you too, and a lot of people you've been oh, dealing right, with. Dollar. Brother, I hate to think of what the Better Business Bureau oh, will do when they get hold of these facts. Bureau. To say nothing of the Federal Trade Mr. Commission. Dollar, listen to but me. But I have a notion it'll help to clear up one of the dirtiest chip rackets in years. There's no need Even to Even the long-suffering public understands this sort of shady operation when it's brought to their no, attention. not at all. As for the decent, legitimate national firms you've been practically now, stealing from. Me, Dollar, will you please listen a minute? Yeah, go ahead. Business has been good. I've made a lot of money. Oh, now, wait Maybe a minute, you could you? use a little bit. You know, we'll call it the commissioner. Say $10,000. In cash, it wouldn't show. Golden, I wouldn't even spit on that kind of money. Oh, I could maybe persuade you. You couldn't persuade me to have any part of it. Brother, you've had it coming for a long, long time. And believe me, I'm going to see that you get it. Understand? Yes, Dollar, you make it... I understand. I understand you, too. You dirty crook. You faker. You liar. You cheating, dirty, conniving, chiseling liar. You ruined me, you hear? You ruined me. Yes, Fred? I'm afraid that your nice client, Ben Murray, based his insurance claim on a lot of values that didn't exist. On the hiked-up prices. Hiked up to cheat you and the income tax boys. And if that is not right fraud, I'll eat my shirt. So you can just forget about paying that claim or any part of it. And I hope that you and the company will take whatever legal steps are necessary to put these guys out of business. Expense account total, including incidentals, and the trip back to Hartford, $130.49. And cheap at half the price. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Our star will return in just a moment. Our flag now numbers 50 stars, and behind each star there stands yet another flag representing one of the 50 states. Kansas state flag is dark blue, and in the center is the state seal, surmounted by a large sunflower, the official state flower. The seal reflects the history of Kansas, the train of ox wagons going west, for most of the great roads passed through Kansas. An Indian is depicted chasing a herd of buffalo, recalling the words of the official state song, Oh, give me a home where the buffalo roam. For this truly was the home of the buffalo and Indian. The east is represented by a rising sun, and the promise of future prosperity is indicated by the steamboat on the river and the farmer plowing the field. Above a mountain range are 34 stars, for Kansas was the 34th state admitted to the Union. Overall is the state motto, 
Ad Astra per Aspera, to the stars through difficulties. Kansas state flag, the flag of the 34th state to enter the Union, was adopted on March 23, 1927. Now, here's our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, the case of a girl who was willing to kill for money she didn't need. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.